0: This is the Starkville State of Mind, hosted by Justin Strawn. Welcome to the Starkville State of Mind podcast. I am your host, Justin Strawn. Glad to be joining you for the late week edition of the show. We have obviously a lot to talk about. I had planned to talk about our biggest what-if moments in Mississippi State history. But there's been some developments that has changed that, so we are going to be discussing those today instead, and we'll push the biggest what-if moments from his history until the early show next week, unless there's something bigger that breaks then as well. So that's just kind of what we're looking at. Obviously, the biggest topic will be Vic Schaefer leaving for Texas, what it means for the Bulldogs, the women's basketball team, and who might be replacing him. There's a lot that has developed since Sunday afternoon on all of those fronts. And then the second half of the show, we will discuss the men's basketball team. They have now lost their, well, let's just say they, it looks like they're going to lose their second player to the NBA draft. There's still a possibility they could get him back. So we will talk about all of that and more here on the Late Week Edition. But for now, I do want to tell you guys about Cherokee Valley. And a reminder, they are doing lots of things to try to make sure that you're, you will be safe out on the golf course if you decide to go, go golfing. If you just have to have a golf fix, they are doing taking all kinds of precautions. One person to a cart, reminding people to socially distance when they're out on the, out on the golf course. Make sure you're staying six feet apart or more. Snack shop is open, but it is outside. Everything is done outside. It's done through windows. So they're doing everything they can to keep you safe during this time with the coronavirus going on. So if you just have to have your golf fixed, then they are going to be open and available to you, like I said. And they will be taking the proper precautions to make sure that you get your golfing in without having to worry about getting sick. So, like I said, let me go ahead and run the ad for you guys, and we will pick up from the show right after that. If you're a golfer and you live in the Greater Memphis area, you're probably just like me looking for the best opportunity for you to spend your golfing time wisely. Well, why not look and check out Cherokee Valley Golf Course. My son and I golf there almost every single time we go out, and it's a great course whether you're a skilled golfer looking for a challenge, or if you're a beginner somewhat like me and just trying to learn how to play the game. My son and I have been playing there for years, and we would highly recommend it They've done a great job of keeping the course maintained. It's a beautiful course, lots of wonderful practice facilities, no reason that you shouldn't be out there honing your game. So if you're in the Olive Branch area or in the greater Memphis area, give Cherokee Valley Golf Course a look and go ahead and tell them I sent you. That's Cherokee Valley Golf Course. You can call them at 662-893-4444, or you can book a tee time online at olivebranchgolf.com. Alright, it is time to jump into the heart of the show. We are discussing off the front end the fallout from Vic Schaefer leaving to head to Texas. Obviously, this caught everybody by surprise on Sunday afternoon when the news broke. I mean, if it had broken like two hours earlier, that would have been my topic on Sunday show. And it probably would have been a little bit more of an emotional show just because we would have been dealing with it and in the immediate aftermath. But for now... A lot of the emotion has finally died down. People, I think, are starting to wrap their heads around it and get a much better grasp of what it is that's making that made him decide to leave. And look, let's just go ahead and start with that. What? Why did he leave? Look, I still don't know that it makes a hundred percent. I still don't know that it makes sense a hundred percent at this point, just because. The man is 59 years old, if I'm not mistaken. Let me double check and make sure that, that is correct. He's he's getting on up there in age. There's no question about that. But uh, let me make sure that I have that age correct. But I think he's 59 years old. And when you are starting to get close to his age, whether it's, his, whether it's 59, 69, whatever it may be, it's really difficult to you know, think you're going to be coaching for a whole lot longer. So if he was born in 61, yeah, he just had his 59th birthday. So, you know, I I don't imagine that he's got much more than 10 years at most left coaching-wise. And it's going to take him a while to get Texas back to where to where Mississippi State was. Mississippi State was on the verge of winning a national championship two years in a row in 2017 and 2018. And they were probably going to be right back in the mix of things in 2021. So... It's going to take him a while to get Texas up to that point. I mean, he's got more to work with at Texas than he did when he inherited the program at Mississippi State. I mean, when he went to Mississippi State, he started in 2012. I think it took him like three years to actually make it to the NCAA tournament. I'm not exactly sure sure when they made the NCAA tournament for the first time. But for the most part, he was – it took some time. He had to build that program up, and it didn't really take off until – 2016, to be perfectly honest with you, that was the year that they made the Sweet 16 and ended up getting blown out by UConn, and in 2017, that's when the the program really found its footing and really became one of the best programs in the country, and that's why they were playing UConn in the Final Four that year, so it took, it took time to get them built up. Now, I don't think it will take as much time to do what he did at Mississippi State as it Will at Texas. Texas does have a little bit more to work with. They've got a little bit more of a history and a little bit more of a legacy than what he was dealing with when he inherited the program at Mississippi State. So he will have an ability to get it going quicker. But it's not a, it's not a for certain thing. Look, I I think he's going to do well. I think he's going to do very well. I think he will have that Texas program as the premier program right along with Baylor in the big 12. I think he's going to be, I think he's going to take Texas back to the, to the level that they were at, you know, probably 10 years ago and competing right there with Baylor, just like he had super State right there competing with South Carolina when he was the bulldog head coach. So I think he's eventually going to eventually get it there, but it's not a guarantee. It, it's not a guarantee. It, We've seen coaches who have had success in one place leave and go to another place and not have the success. So, like I said, from a, from one standpoint, from that standpoint, I just don't know that this makes complete and total sense. I think he was the reason why he left. I mean, here's the reason why we all know this. He wanted the Texas A M job. He wanted Gary Blair to eventually retire, and whenever he would retire, he would step down from Mississippi State and head to Texas a and take over there because that's where he spent most of his years as an assistant coach under Gary Blair, learning to coach the way that he does now through the tutelage of Gary Blair. Now, it doesn't look like Blair was ever going to leave. He may end up re- retiring never retiring, and just coaching till he dies because it doesn't seem like he has any intention on stepping down anytime soon. And that may have been – and Vic Schaefer probably looked at the situation and said, you know what, Texas let their coach go, and I want to go ahead and take this job at Texas because Blair's probably never going to leave, and I do want to coach at Texas at some point. So I'm going to go ahead and take my job to Texas. Now, this does make me wonder just because of the fact that Texas – Two days before they hired Vic Schaefer, they did not renew the contract of their current head coach, and that's the reason they had the opening. It only took them two days, so my it makes me tend to believe that they the reason that they the reason they waited so late to renew the contract to make that determination about whether or not they would renew the contract of their current head coach is because they were in talks with Vic Schaefer, and once it became pretty obvious that they were going to be able to get him. They went ahead and let her go and had Vic Schaefer hired in hand two days later. I think it's very much like the Ben Hallen situation. When Ben Hallen was hired, Scott Strickland lets Rick Ray go. And when he lets Rick Ray go, about two or three days later, Ben Hallen is is hired. It, coaching searches typically don't go that quickly. They don't. I mean, right now, you know, we're basically four days away from the – coaching vacancy from Mississippi State's women's basketball coaching vacancy opening up and now we're just now starting to get an idea of who might the coach might the new coach might be. It's so like I said, just typically doesn't work that fast unless there have been a lot of things taken care of on the back end. And I think that was very much the case with Vic Schaefer in Texas. Just like it was Mississippi State when Rick Ray was let go and Ben Howland was hired just a couple of days later, like I said, so I think that was probably a lot that was going on in the background. So, like I said, he just wanted to get back to Texas. People who are from Texas, they love the state of Texas probably much more than they love the, the United States of America. I mean, they are that loyal and they are that faithful to the state of Texas. I've never understood it, but that's just the way most of them are. And he wanted to get back there, and that's really what it boils down to. Like I said. I mean, he had the program clicking. He was going to win a national championship. I firmly believe that at Mississippi State. I don't know that he's going to do that at Texas. Just because I just don't think he's going to have enough time. Eventually, the game does pass you by, and it could eventually pass Vic Schaefer by as well. That's very much a possibility. I don't know that it's going to happen, but it could. I mean, it passes even the greatest coaches by at some point. I mean, look at what... Uh, I'm trying to think of some coaches who just didn't quite have it anymore. Uh, Florida State head coach, uh, Bobby Bowden. I mean, he was one of the best fo- uh, one of the best college football coaches in the game for, for decades. And once he kind of lost it, he kind of lost it. He just didn't have the same grasp of the system. He didn't have the same grasp of modern-day college football as other people did. Uh, you know, that could happen to Vic Schaefer eventually. Same thing for, you know, look at Les Miles. Les Miles was a really good coach for many years, and then he was stubborn, didn't want to change his systems, didn't want to do anything differently, and the game passed him by. You know, like I said, so I don't know how long Vic Schaefer is going to go. I don't know how much more, how many more years he has in the tank, how much more gas he has in the tank to continue to do the recruiting and do the things that you have to do to build a national championship caliber women's basketball program. But if he's got, you know, I think he needs at least six or seven years to get it to that point. Maybe maybe not quite that long. Maybe he can do it down a little bit quicker than he did at Mississippi State. Like I said, I think he can, but it's not a guarantee. And when you're doing what you're doing at one place, you have, a, you have to feel like you're going to be able to continue to do it at that one place. Like I said, I'd, I'd really honestly believe he would have won a national championship at some point at Mississippi State. And it may have been with this recruiting class that he currently has, with this group of girls that is at Mississippi State currently, because they are very young and they are very talented and they are going to be a force to be reckoned with in the years to come. So I'm not really sure why he wanted to go ahead and leave that now. I know we want to get back to Texas, but I just don't know if he's going to get that program rolling like it could have been for whoever is going to inherit the Mississippi State program. And speaking of that, let's look at... Uh, Who's going to be hired? Because it basically, it's done, it's coming down to two people as of right now. Now, the, I'm saying this on I'm saying this on Thursday at six fifty seven. Uh, but as of right now, uh, there was a report from Bruce Rader. I don't know who Bruce Rader is. He's the longtime sports director of WAVY TV in Norfolk Beach, Virginia. So he would probably have some decent. Some decent uh, connections with this, but he is saying it is not official. But all indications are Lady Monarchs coach Nikki McRae-Pinson will be the next coach at Mississippi State. is it is basically coming down to her or Jeff Walls Now, like I said, I don't know if this is the case or not. I'm trying to I'm trying to scroll through Twitter and find out if there's anything more. If there is anything more concrete on this, so let me let me put the show on pause real quick and see if I can find anything. Okay, it doesn't look like there's going to be anything more official as on this as of right now. Let's just go ahead and let me go ahead and put this out there. And let me tell you the way it has been coming across to me and how I figured and assumed that this would play out. Jeff Wall's commands. If if they hire Jeff Walls as the coach he's going to command a much greater salary. The guy was making like, I think 1.45 million. Now, basically you're going to have to pay him $2 million, which is what you would have had to pay Vic Schaefer this year to keep him. If they were willing to, if they were willing to keep the women's basketball program, at kind of the same level, the same type tier type coach, Vic Schaefer was going to make $2 million this year, because that was what they were going to, it was going to take at least that to keep him at Mississippi state, but just the pull to Texas was too strong. Getting Jeff Walls is probably going to take that much as well. And there's a lot of people who weren't who aren't really sure if the Bulldogs want to go ahead and keep spending it at that level for the women's basketball coach. Especially with a lot of uncertainty with COVID nineteen and the the financial impact it is going to have on Mississippi State among really among across the entire sporting landscape. You know, do you really want to go for somebody who is making that kind of money at when you think maybe you could probably get somebody a little bit cheaper like Nikki McRae, who was the head coach at Old Dominion, who was an assistant coach under Dawn Staley, if you can get somebody with her type of pedigree and not spend nearly as much money, then maybe that's what you do. And that's kind of the reason why I think we might be seeing this take shape is that, yeah, you'd like to get Jeff Walls, but... I just you just don't know if you can really spend that much on a guy who hasn't done it here at Mississippi State. Look, he's one of the best coaches in the country for women's basketball. What he has done at Louisville is basically on par with what Vic Schaefer has done at Mississippi State. The only thing missing from Jeff Wall's resume is a national championship. Much like the only thing missing from Vic Schaefer's resume is a national championship. So it looks like though that we are going to be getting Nikki mccray pinson I it, and if this guy, like I said, if if his report is true, if Bruce Rader is hearing it and he is correct then it wouldn't surprise me in the least that Mississippi State is going this direction I think she was making like $250,000 or $300,000 I'm not really sure what her salary was at Old Dominion uh, but She's been doing really well. She's had this is her third year as the head coach. They got off to a rough start when she took over, but the, this year and last year, she had 221 seasons, taking her record to 53 and 40. Look, you may say, well, that's not anywhere close to what you would think, but you've had 221 seasons. That first year was tough, and it was a, a serious rebuild, but she's got that program rolling in the right direction. So let's just assume that it is her. Can she get Mississippi State at the same level as? Vic Schaefer, look, I think she can. If you don't know who Nikki McCray is, she was she's an she's an absolute legend at the University of Tennessee. She was one of the best players that the University of Tennessee had under uh, Pat Summit and she just had a remarkable career and ended up playing in the WNBA for a number of years. Was truly an, an amazing basketball talent. She started coaching I think her first stop wasn't in South Carolina. I don't remember where her first stop was, but she ended up spending about 10 years as an assistant under Don Staley at the, as uh, at South Carolina. And before she got her first head gig, she's relatively young and she's 48 years old. So this could be a really good hire if it works out. I mean, I, she has the, the pedigree. Now she has to basically make the pedigree translate into the same type of resume. And for Nikki McRae, what is going to have to understand, what she's going to have to know, she's inheriting a program that is ripe for immediate success. But if she wants to keep the atmosphere that Mississippi State has had for women's basketball games, where they, where they pack out the hump and they are one of the most hostile environments to play in for women's college basketball, if she wants to keep that intact, she is going to have to try to create the same personal connection that Vic Schaefer had with the... With the Bulldogs in his time there, because he went, he he went from person to person often during football weekends. When he first got the job, and said, "Hey, we're in, we're a cheap ticket. We're it's inexpensive to come watch women's basketball games. Come out and see us. Come buy come buy season tickets because they, were, they they are were, they're were really expensive. I think at one time like a season ticket package was like fifty bucks or something like that. And then as the, the it became more and more popular and became more and more of an attraction, they had to start raising prices and things like that." But she's going to have to understand that as well. She's going to have to make that same type of connection with the fans to keep them packed and coming like Vic Schaefer did. Now, it may not have to be as difficult of a sell for her if she can win because there's a winning program already established. And that's that's the biggest part. The only reason Vic Schaefer was able to keep that going and the only reason that he was able to continuously build upon the atmosphere that he had at, Humphrey Coliseum was because of the fact that he won, and by winning the way that he did, it allowed people to continuously buy in year after year after year. They bought in, they bought in, and they continued to buy in until it got to the point where sellouts at women's college basketball games weren't that uncommon. So, look, I don't know if this is—I don't know if she's going to get the job. It looks like that might be the case. If it's not, then I've just went on and rambled for about. 10 minutes for for no apparent reason. But I think the program is going to be okay. Look, there were people like scoping out Vic Schaefer's Facebook about, you know, how he didn't have Mississippi State listed as one of his former jobs. Why does he hate us? He hates us now. There's something else going on. Look, guys, let's chill out. And I think we are starting to chill out now. If it's Nikki McRae, it's a good hire. If it's Jeff Wallace, it's a great hire. But if it's Nikki McRae, it's a good hire. She's got... I think she will take the program and keep it in good shape. I don't know if she can keep it in as good shape as Vic Schaefer did, but I think she can. She's inheriting a very talented roster, and she has the pedigree, like I said. Now she just has to do something with it. So we'll see. It'll should be it be a lot of fun to see how uh, she responds if she is, in fact, the hire. If she's not, then I guess this whole first half of this podcast wasn't altogether that informative. So, But we'll see. Now on to the next step. Next step. All right, this is going to be a basketball heavy show. The second part of the show, we are dealing with Robert Woodard. He has declared his intentions to go into the NBA draft. He is not hiring an agent as of right yet. He is keeping his eligibility intact for the time being, but there will come a time when he has to make a decision. A lot of people have him projected to go as a first-round pick, so I don't expect him to be back as a Bulldog this year. This is a little bit surprising because there was a lot of people who thought he was going to come back, that it was he was leaning really heavily towards going ahead and coming back to Mississippi State and seeing if he could work his way into being like a top-five, top-ten-type draft pick with a really big year next year because he's capable of that. He's got tons of talent, but... For some reason, just because of the fact that he's behind Reggie Perry and he's just not that assertive as of right yet, he hasn't really just blossomed on the court the way that maybe some others have. But in terms of potential and in terms of just the things that he can do on a basketball court, he has that first-round potential, and that's the reason why a lot of people see him going in the first round. Now, he may not go in the first round. He may end up falling into the second round because he is projected as a late first-rounder, like in the mid to late 20s is where most people see him going. So he could end up going higher. He could end up going lower. But, you know, we'll see. We'll just see what how things work out for him because I don't know how – pre-draft workouts are going to go if they're ever going to start back up if the nba season is ever going to start back up this year i mean there's a lot still to be determined for him and for the rest of the nba and like i said it's a little surprising just because so many people seem to believe that he was wanting to go ahead and come back for one more year and try to really up his stock and become a lottery pick and maybe even to a top 10 or top five pick and that's not going to happen, obviously. Now, I guess technically it could because he could go ahead and withdraw his name from the draft But that doesn't seem likely if you're projected as a first-round pick you probably just go ahead and go So where does that leave the Bulldogs? Well, it leaves them in a little bit of a precarious situation because when you had Robert Wooder coming back You kind of felt like you had a a decent chance at being a pretty good team next year Uh, Without him you you have to start asking yourself All right, where are we going to get our scoring from because that becomes an issue? And this team just doesn't have a whole lot coming back outside of two starters for the most part. As of right now, the only two people that you have coming back from the starting lineup is Nick Weatherspoon and Abdul Adu. They're the only two starters that you have coming back, but there is a pro pretty good chance that even Nick Weatherspoon could leave. There's a lot of people that think that he's kind of done with the whole college thing, and he could still end up just leaving the program and trying to go pro overseas or something like that. There's nothing to show that that has been the case, but there's been a lot of discussion about that here recently. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but there is that possibility. Uh, and if he ends up leaving, then you only got one starter coming back and that's a bill of do. You end up having to replace a whole lot of scoring. But let's just say for now that that Nick Weatherspoon does come back. He brings you basically a eleven point six points per game. He is a good, he's a good pastor, but he's not a he's not a point guard. You probably are going to have your heralded freshman come in and take over the starting point guard uh, duties if. Uh, Should well really regardless what happens and that's Devin Smith. Uh, He's from Loganville, Georgia He's a four-star prospect a high four-star. He was on the cusp of being a five-star He's the 52nd ranked player in the country fifth sixth at his position fifth in the state of Georgia So he comes with a lot of hype Cameron Matthews is also coming in as a freshman from Olive Branch High School However, he's probably more of a project. He's a three-star prospect you would expect him to be somebody that the Bulldogs are just going to have to kind of develop if they need to. But what does that leave for Mississippi State in terms of the rest of their starting lineup? Well, like I said, you expect Devin Smith to come in and start and maybe him take over the point guard roles, move Nick Weatherspoon over to the two-guard. And as of right now, I would assume that the Bulldogs are going to be going with a three-guard lineup. Uh, You would put probably DJ Stewart out there as well because he started... For a significant portion of the season last year when they did a little bit of rearranging with Tyson Carter and his lineup and the lineup with him because of the fact that they want to try to get him... They thought he might do better coming off the bench, and for the most part, he did uh, once they brought Nick Weatherspoon back from his suspension. But outside of that, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess you go with the four-guard lineup if you want to put Iverson Molinar out there as well. Iverson Molinar is really special. They're both look, both DJ Stewart and Iverson Molinar have a lot of upside. They have a lot of potential. Uh, They both shoot really well. They both have pretty good three point uh, percentages. Iverson Molinar is a little bit higher than DJ Stewart is. Uh, They both average right about six points per game. Uh, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Stewart averaged eight and a half points a game and Molinar averaged 5.9, but they both played really well when they were given opportunities for the most part. So, like I said, if you're going for the three guard lineup, you could put one of those two guys out there. If you're going with a four guard lineup, you could put both of them out there. So I don't know how it's going to work because other than that, you don't have a whole lot coming back. Mississippi State is going to have to hit the transfer market hard. I think they actually have signed a transfer too, but I can't find it as of right now. Um, they're going to have to. They're going to have to do that. They're going to have to find some people to get this team. Up to where they need to be. They've got to fill some roster spots. That's just that's just all there is to it. They've got to find a way to get some some guys get some guys on the team. I mean, they have so many holes right now, and you know, I'm sure I'm sure that Ben Howland has a plan. I'm sure that he has something that he is going to try to implement, but it's really difficult to do it when you've got all this coronavirus stuff going on, and you're trying to figure out you know what your team's going to look like, and that's just kind of where he is at this point. When you had Robert Woodard coming back, you thought this team would be in pretty good shape. Now that he's not coming back, it starts to make you question whether or not this team can make it to the NIT. I don't know. I don't know what the future is for Mississippi State basketball. There's a lot of people who think that maybe the people who have been going to women's games will start going back to the men's games now that Vic Schaefer's not there. That's a possibility. But, I mean, they're not going to start going back, though, and start abandoning the women's team if the men's team isn't winning. Because I expect, regardless of who gets – hired as the coach next year for the women. They're still gonna be good. Even if they're not as good as we hope they're gonna be, they're still gonna be good. But like I said, people aren't going to start abandoning that just to go to the men, even if the men aren't playing altogether that well. So it's gonna be interesting to watch. It's gonna be interesting to see how all this plays out for the men and see what what happens here. Because I honestly don't know. We just gotta kinda of wait and see what Ben Howland does with the roster and who he's going to end up getting. As of right now, we still don't have anything concrete in terms of those types of situations. So we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, anyway, all right, guys, I'm going to go ahead and wrap the show there. I'm hoping that I'll be able to talk to you guys about a definite hire for the women. If it's not Nikki mccray pinson hopefully we'll know exactly who it is. By the time we do the early week edition, but if not, we'll talk about something else. And I'm hoping to go ahead and get into the biggest what-ifs next week, either during the early or the late week edition. It will just depend on how the news cycle works. So, I appreciate you guys tuning in. I appreciate you guys coming and making me part of your day. But, as for now, and as always, until next time, Hail State!